There's a spirit in our land raising up the kind of man with a burning in his heart to be free. Like the preacher man of old, he can't be bought, he can't be sold. What did they preach? They preached liberty to a people who love their liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free. They called the king into accounting for his disregard of law Told their people not to yield before his threats For God established rulers to protect the rights of man And ordained government to fit into his plan To maintain his people's liberty time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free, through the jewelry we'll guard our liberty. Such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, expose tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free, through the jury we'll guard our liberty, liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them at the time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God not guilty we choose to acquit the state was wrong to charge him this law is not fit for a people who love their liberty for a people who will die for liberty greetings ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the voice of liberty this is rick tyler Thanking you for tuning in. We have a great deal to be concerned about in this perilous time that we're living in. In case you haven't realized it, we are in the midst of a slow, gradual, but very certain dissolution 
of the last remaining vestiges of our once great republic. Now, this is a very somber topic, a very uh, sobering subject to have to deal with. And it would be nice if, if we were living in a different era of seeming uh, carefree circumstances, but we're not. By the appointment of a sovereign God of the universe, the God of Scripture, the God of Israel, the God of our fathers, we were born into and we are living in precisely the moment that he intended for us to, because he is all-knowing, ever-living, eternal, without beginning, without end. He is the only wise God, and it, of course, is to him that we owe all of our allegiance, all of our devotion, all of our servitude. We must truly understand in, their inner, in the inner recesses of our heart and our mind that we have been bought with a price, that we are not our own, that our duty, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, is to, to keep the commandments and to fear God. This is the whole duty of man, we are told. We are told by the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We are told, furthermore, that this is but our reasonable service. And so, again, we must begin each day for the remainder of our lives. And by the way, even if we surpass the national average of life expectancy, this life is but a vapor, we are told in the book of James. So time is precious, and we must approach each day with the understanding that it is part of the precious allotment of time that God has granted to us to do what? Well, to lay up treasure in heaven. Now, Everybody is consumed with and preoccupied with laying up treasure on earth. And there are continuing and ongoing events that are prominent in the media that fan the flames of this preoccupation and this obsession with obtaining earthly wealth. And don't get me wrong, earthly resources are a very vital and important tool that if properly utilized, can be certainly, they can be made very effective in pursuit of the building of the kingdom of God and of the advancement of the gospel of the kingdom, spoken of in Matthew chapter 24. But the problem is that fallen man has a very difficult time prioritizing in a biblical way. Modern man, of course, is a far cry from biblical man. And modern man has an extraordinarily hard time lining up his priorities in a way that is consistent with the word and with the will of God. But nevertheless, the obsession with worldly wealth predominates not only the secular realm but sadly also the ecclesiastical realm. And very often it's done in a, a crass and crude way 
of trying to justify it by putting a spin on it that it's done to serve God and to glorify God. The prosperity teaching uh, that has been prevalent within the contemporary charismatic movement comes to mind as a, a glaring example, a, a very opportune bad example of what man is capable of under the supposed auspices and guise of spirituality. But it's really, sadly, it's a pseudo-spirituality at best. But at any rate, many stories that presently proliferate in the, the news cycle deal with this fixation upon earthly wealth. And we know that the, the false leaders of our world, certainly in the ecclesiastical realm, but very, very obviously in the political realm, they all have a point of commonality in the sense that they go to the nation's capital. And very often upon their arrival, they are of modest, even meager means. But after doing a stint in the national government as a congressman or a senator, they wind up amassing fortunes, earthly fortunes. The names, of course, are, are commonplace and household names in terms of the most egregious offenders in this regard. You have your Pelosi's and, and people of that ilk, Maxine Waters, Diane Feinstein. It seems that California is certainly one of the worst models in terms of breeding corrupt and odious and despicable political figures, the kind, the type that, that are utterly nauseating just in their outward persona, so transparent, so obviously emblematic of and representative of everything that is loathsome and very, very uh, despicable. And yet, it is not just them. This syndrome that I'm speaking of is pervasive throughout the political world because it is woven into the design, certainly not the design intended by or fashioned by our founding fathers, the framers of our constitution and of our republic they did not intend that there would be career politicians who would amass earthly fortunes feeding at the public trough for decades at a time they did not envision or intend uh, that there should be bloated hefty pensions that would be paid to these individuals after they uh, serve just a scant few terms in office. Of course, the objective of the political types is to perpetuate their tenure, to stay in office as long as possible. And of course, we have a poster child for this, uh, this particular characteristic of the modern political figure in the present-day usurper and pretender that occupies supposedly, the presidency of this republic. Now, just because something is thought to be true by legions of people, hundreds, thousands, millions, billions even, does not make it true. Saying it is so does not make it so. 
And simply because someone usurps and lays claim to the title of president when they are either unqualified constitutionally or legally, or they have obtained uh, their ascendancy to this office by fraud and treachery and deceit, if these be the circumstances that have brought about the occupancy of the position by the individuals in question, then rest assured, all of the fraud and treachery and deceit that seems to have succeeded on an earthly plane does not change the lie into truth. That can never be the case. Lies can never be transformed into truth. If everybody in the world believes a lie, it is still a lie. And if nobody in the world believes a truth, it is still the truth. And the plain and simple fact of the matter, presently at this moment in time, in the month of February, in 2021, at this present moment in time, the fact of the matter is that we have lived through a flagrantly, blatantly, undeniably theft, an undeniable theft of a presidential election. Now, Notice I put all of those qualifiers in there because I believe that we have already lived through stolen presidential elections and certainly all manner of stolen elections at varying levels of the political spectrum. But what marked the election, the presidential election of 2020, as being singularly unique in American history was the fact that the theft, the thievery, the stealing was done in such a brazen, flagrant manner that there can simply be no denying this fact if one is even remotely disposed towards acquiescing to the truth. Now, sadly... There is a very large percentage of our body politic today who live in abject denial of truth on virtually every level of their existence. They certainly deny truth about matters spiritual. They live in denial of the veracity and authenticity and supremacy of the Holy Bible and the Christian faith. They live in denial of all manner of truth concerning the actual happenings and events of history versus the propaganda variation and narrative of what we call the court historians who have promulgated a tremendously misleading variation of history, even ancient history not just modern history. Of course, the worst offenders in this regard are the purveyors of the Darwinian evolutionary construct who routinely bombard us with laughable uh, reports and articles and stories and books 
alleging to be in possession of proof and evidence as to events that transpired millions and even billions of years ago, supposedly. Of course, all of this nonsense that is promulgated under the umbrella of Darwinian uh, evolution is utterly and totally devoid of any empirical evidence whatsoever. And, of course, when so-called science is invoked to try to prop up these absurd anti-biblical notions, it is always a brand of so-called science that, in reality, defies the very core definition of science. Science, of course, is something that is based on the ability to prove uh, factors in the physical realm, prove them through uh, the marshalling of the empirical evidence and subjecting it to a, a testing process that will bring about evidentiary results. Darwinian evolution in no way can lay claim to this type of model of scientific process, but instead it only masquerades falsely under the title of science while being completely at variance with actual science. But once again, in the pursuit of wealth, earthly wealth, modern fallen man, goes to all manner and lengths of justification in his denial of and his resistance to the simplistic and very unambiguous authority that is set forth in the Word of God. And, of course, this causes big problems. Modern man lives, as I said, in denial of truth on, on multiple levels, on virtually every, every level of his existence, spiritual and otherwise. And, of course, as a result of this fact, the very, very vast majority of contemporary populations of nations of the earth and territories of the earth, they are lost. They are groping in darkness, lost eternally and even lost in the present-day sense because the rejection of truth will be responded to by the sovereign God of the universe, it will be responded to by him with the giving over of the individual that is rejecting truth to what the scripture refers to as strong delusion, strong delusion. And people in the world today, certainly in America and throughout the Western world, are very, very much in the grip of strong delusion that has been allowed to engulf their existence by the sovereign God who has warned man that if he receives not the love of the truth, that this is what he will be given over to. And of course, also even beyond that, when an individual is obsessive in their desire and intent to sin against the God of Scripture, especially when we're talking about sins of fleshly immorality and decadence and licentiousness, God will then, according to what he instructs us in the book of Romans, he will give such individuals over to a reprobate mind. Now, this, of course, is a mind that, that becomes virtually incapable of distinguishing between right and wrong, between good and evil. And what a dreadful state to devolve into. It's like insanity 
which of course very often is the end result of a lifetime or a significant period of time wherein an individual rejects the truth of God, the law of God, and sows their proverbial wild oats, possibly with substance abuse, with drugs or alcohol, and eventually the sovereign God of this universe allows them to reap what they have sown, cause and effect laws, whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. Very often people wind up doing irreparable damage to their brain, to their mind, to their ability to even engage in logical, rational thought processes. And of course, insanity can be the result. And if one has lost their sanity, if someone has lost their mind, as the, the saying goes, then in a very real way, all else is lost because the possession of a sound mind is one of the attributes and characteristics and hallmarks of someone who is a servant of the living God. We are told in Scripture that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but instead of power and love and a sound mind. Now, the antithesis of a sound mind, in a very real way, can be what James refers to as a double mind. He says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I submit to you that we are grievously afflicted with double-mindedness in this time that we're living in. Yes, again, we are living in a snapshot or moment of time where we are losing our republic. We are losing the, the last remaining vestiges of the great republic of which our founding fathers, by the inspiration of the God of Scripture, were the architects. We are losing it. And this loss is catastrophic. It is of incalculable and indescribable proportions. And yet, so many of our countrymen today remain oblivious to this reality of what is transpiring under their very noses and before their very eyes. I would advise everybody to, if you can, to obtain a copy of a, a small book or booklet. It is entitled Behind Communism. Behind Communism by Frank Britton. Behind Communism does an excellent job of documenting precisely who the Bolsheviks were. Those Bolsheviks that committed ritual murder against the Tsar of Russia and his family. Those Bolsheviks who then proceeded to implement a reign of terror over vast numbers of individuals, not only in Russia, but within many other countries that fell victim to the conquest of international communism. You see, the Bolsheviks were almost entirely comprised of and made up of those who are representative 
of the counterfeit chosen people in our world. They are a people who are disproportionately represented in virtually every institution in our world today, a people who wield inordinate power far beyond what their meager uh, representation within the population of the nation would conceivably warrant. And of course, these very same people, it has been humorously uh, alluded to the fact that they, they played a great role in the founding of America. What was that role? Well, they weren't here. And of course, these counterfeit chosen people, especially their intelligentsia, those among them who constitute uh, the intellectual cadre that largely dictates for their uh, lower-level grassroots population uh, within their uh, tribal construct, these people, wherever historically they have managed to put their impress and influence, in the wake of that, there has followed a level of disaster and calamity and deterioration of civilizations and cultures and societies that is of such a nature as to be unmistakable in terms of its footprint or fingerprint, if you will. And so communism was the brainchild of the counterfeit chosen people, those who masquerade as something they are not. Now, obviously, if somebody is masquerading as the chosen people of God and they have successfully foisted their deception upon vast numbers of individuals throughout the world, it would stand to reason that simultaneously there would be a genuine chosen people of God who would be, to a substantial degree, rendered in a state of ignorance as to their true identity in the world. And of course, the people that I'm speaking of that match that description are the people who have founded and built and established and perpetuated Western Christian civilization. In other words, the founding stock of America happened to be the true, genuine, chosen people of God called through Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, the true Israel chosen people of God. But they in large part, are oblivious to their true and accurate identity. Now, needless to say, something needs to be done about this problem. In fact, I would dare say that this is a problem of such immense proportions that until it is addressed, troubleshot, solved, if you will, uh, we will remain in a state of, of languishing darkness and bondage as a people. I believe that we could very well be embarking upon a point in time in the unfolding of our history where our great and mighty God may be preparing to open up doors of opportunity heretofore sealed and inaccessible to us. I believe that we may be verging on a time when, according to his sovereign will, he may allow for the successful going forth of this message of truth as to the accurate identity of the, the genuine chosen people of God in the world today, that he might be preparing to allow that to go forth with resounding clarity, success, and effectiveness 
that would be unprecedented in the annals of time. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we are told in the scripture. We are also told that, that how will it come without a preacher? And it must be proclaimed, it must be heralded, it must be preached throughout the land. Paul the Apostle said, preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. And of course, that same Paul the Apostle said that we were to do the work of an evangelist. And so, the avid and obsessive pursuit of earthly wealth very often prevents people who otherwise might understand this calling. It prevents them from doing the work of the kingdom. It prevents them from fulfilling those imperatives spoken of by the Apostle Paul. And it prevents them in the process of this unfortunate circumstance. It prevents them from laying up treasure in heaven. And we know, of course, the parable of the talents. It gives us a model. It gives us instruction and it gives us a picture of how the way that we invest what our endowment is in this life, that it has a direct bearing on what our duties and what our responsibilities will be in the kingdom, the eternal kingdom. And again, this life is a vapor, according to James. Even if you live to be 100 years old, it's a vapor. But eternity is forever. And that eternity is not simply going to be some nebulous, ethereal uh, type of existence, but rather substantive with form, with actual uh, substantive reality. Now, we see dimly through a glass and we cannot understand the magnificence that awaits us. I have not seen and ear hath not heard, as the scripture says. But we know that it does await us and it is forever. And it is so sublime and glorious and wondrous that to put the affairs and the matters of this earth before the consideration of the eternal is the epitome of foolishness and of foolhardiness. So again, in this hour of history that we're living in, by the, the will of a, a sovereign God whom we owe our everything to, our mere existence, we completely owe to him, every good and perfect thing cometh down from above, we owe it all to him, and in this existence we are living, we need to be cognizant of what the circumstances are of our hour of history and how it plays into the unfolding timeline of history, we must not fall victim to the false prophets, the false teachers of our time, who spin their webs and their narratives and their false constructs of the fulfillment of prophecy, but they do it in a manner that is disconnected from truth and reality. We must not fall victim to this. This has been the predominant eschatology of the modern church, for my entire Christian life since 1979, and it doesn't appear to be abating. So we must be vigilant in our opposition to this false theology, and we must instead be humbling ourselves and seeking to know and understand those truths that heretofore have proven elusive to our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers. Our forefathers, my 
father and grandfather and great-grandfather, for instance, could not have been led into the deceptions that they became a part of in their lives were it not for the fact that they somehow had missed the boat concerning these great, profound, and overarching truths. World War II, of course, and World War I were both instances and occasions of massive deception and delusion on the part of the world and certainly the American population. Now, there were people in the nation leading up to World War II that fully understood that there was a Zionist banking uh, cartel in the world, that there were extraordinary powers that were pervasive in nature that were pulling the strings uh, behind the scenes, if you will, uh, issuing forth edicts and issuing forth declarations that were of a very ominous nature for those who were initiated into this truth and able to interpret what was transpiring. The America First movement, as it was called in the years leading up to World War II, was very pervasive and very strong, very influential. But the events of Pearl Harbor were sufficient to completely turn the tide of public opinion, to shoehorn everybody into acceptance of this global slugfest that became known historically as World War II. World War II was necessitated by the failure of World War I to seal the deal relative to the globalist system that was being implemented. There were enough nationalistic personages in the American legislature in the early 1900s to prevent the establishment of the League of Nations. And so when World War II rolled around, the spectacle of the mushroom cloud was rolled out as the ultimate fear tactic to frighten the population of America and the world into acquiescence to the establishment of the United Nations, the UN, this palace of strangers, which despicably and dreadfully has been established on American soil. This United Nations uh, should have been summarily rejected, and even upon its institution and implementation, any right-thinking uh, chief executive of, of America should have taken a massive and uh, sweeping action to rid America of the United Nations, to certainly utterly and totally defund it, uh, refuse to allow any American money to flow into the coffers of the UN. But instead, what did every president in succession since World War II do? All have gone along with American acceptance of and membership in the United Nations. And of course, America is one of the nations that sits on the Security Council and has great power within the UN. But the UN itself, as a template, as a model, is utterly blasphemous. It is completely unacceptable in the eyes of a righteous God, and it deserves nothing but being dismantled and being eradicated from American soil. Now, if other countries of the world wanted to host the United Nations and seek to build some type of international uh, governmental structure and federation, well, I suppose that it would be within their purview and within their right to do that, even though they would obviously be 
engaging in grievous opposition to the the pure and simple will of God. But if it were happening somewhere other than American soil, we would not have as legitimate a grievance. But the fact that it, the United Nations, has been used and is being used and is being prepared to be the template for a, a world government structure that will usurp national sovereignty from every country, including its host country, America. The fact that all of this is unfolding and happening right before our very eyes should be ever so alarming to the point where people would realize that if we don't do something about this, then we have no hope for survival. Now, again, my father and grandfather and and men of my family of prior generations, they unfortunately were swept up in the propaganda of their time, the hour of history when they were in their prime, when they could have, as men, they could have consecrated their uh, their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to fight against and resist unbiblical satanic tyranny. But they, again, unfortunately, were swept up in the, the aspects uh, of their time that were very, very much captivating the global events, the international events, the domestic events, the Great Depression, for instance. My own father was born three years before uh, the crash uh, in 1929. Uh, My grandfather uh, lived, uh, was born uh, in 1900, the year 1900, Uh, his predecessors having come from Germany and Switzerland. And my grandfather, of course, he came uh, to these, uh, was born in America, but his forebears came from Europe. And of course, the, the matters of struggling to survive in that era Uh, were very real, and of course communications were not what they are today. It was certainly more difficult in many ways for someone to acquire uh, the undiluted, unfettered truth, just as it was a lot easier or harder back then for the purveyors of deception to brainwash people on a mass scale because they did not have the technological tools at their immediate disposal to propagandize the way they do today with the internet and with modern technology. But once again, man is without excuse. We are all without excuse. If we ask and seek and knock, we are told that, of course, the answers will be given. We will find. The door will be opened. And so this would have applied in the era of my father and my grandfather and their predecessors. But for some reason, due to the sequential events that unfolded in the aftermath of of 1787 and the adoption of the Constitution in America, somehow we drifted very, very far away from the moorings of this country. And worldly forces, of course, were very successful in terms of subverting the population and making people desirous of, of worldly creature comforts more so than being desirous of the the word and the truth of Almighty God. And of course, all, all along the way, uh, there remained a pretense of religiosity, of pseudo-spirituality. To this day, America has massive numbers of churches. Now, look for that, of course, to be altered in the days ahead, because whenever there is a communistic takeover, one of the first institutions that will be in the crosshairs and marked for destruction will be the Christian church church, even in its lukewarm state, 
its existence cannot be countenanced by the Marxist agenda. So churches will increasingly come under attack. And of course, the, the very, very uh, falsified and bogus pandemic called COVID-19 has been used already to lay the groundwork for and set the precedent for the persecution of the Christian church. Churches have been told, in effect, in so many words, that they are non-essential because unlike Walmart or unlike uh, houses of ill repute or casinos or uh, bars, pubs, etc., unlike those institutions, liquor stores, churches have been told that they had to close down during the pandemic under threat of arrests. There have actually been pastors arrested for daring to continue to conduct their church services. So this has very effectively laid the groundwork for persecution, whether anybody realizes it or not. Yes, there is an overarching supernatural intelligence that is marshalling that out-of-this-world intelligence to construct and build a system that is unfolding very meticulously before our very eyes, the design of which is intended to strip us of our ability to serve the living God in a way that is consistent with the dictates contained within his holy word. And we are moving with increasing rapidity towards the fulfillment of that highly unfortunate model that is being laid out for us to be ensnared in. And it seems that there is nothing that anyone can do. What do you suppose Donald Trump is doing right now? I would imagine he's playing golf quite a bit. Now, I myself, I grew up near two golf courses, and I will testify as to the, the beauty and the serenity of a golf course. In my youth, I and my cohorts, we used to, in fact, slip on to the golf course, uh, the golf courses that I lived near. I had a couple of friends who were affluent enough for their families to actually live right on the golf course, not on it itself, but on the, uh, the border of it. Their backyard, in other words, opened into the fairway of the golf course. And so I spent a lot of time on the golf course uh, playing games and sporting-type activities and even diving into the water holes and finding golf balls and things of that nature. It was a lot of fun, and of course it was... It was somewhat innocent hijinks. Yes, we would uh, periodically, we would get chased off by the security personnel, personnel, but we represented no real danger or threat. And again, my friends, their parents were affluent, uh, influential people who lived right on the golf course. So I know the beauty of the golf course, but I will say this, that I could in no way find time in my life today Given the enormous dangers that we are facing, I could no, in no way find time to go on the golf course and play uh, nine or 18 holes of golf uh, day after day. 
I understand, again, that, that golf is a sport that is representative of our extended racial family. The, the star figures in the world of golf who are not of European extraction and ancestry are the, lo- the very, very rare exception to the rule, although the media took great delight in elevating the likes of Tiger Woods to almost a demigod-type status. But remember, he was the exception to the rule. Golf is a, a, a game, it's a sport that, that is very much the byproduct of our people, of our extended racial family. But I would dare say that anybody who invests very much of their time, if any at all, in the pursuit of this, this endeavor might be squandering resources that our great and mighty God would prefer for them to marshal towards the advancement of the message of his eternal kingdom because golf courses are racist. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but uh, just like everything else has become racist, playing golf and and golf courses are racist. And the, the coercive utopians who are plotting and and methodically prescribing the future for us, uh, they fully intend to change the the texture of our civilization and culture and eliminate, uh, in terms of it being accessible to to average people. Now, the elite always preserve for themselves uh, the right to engage in and indulge in the things that they condemn for others. But for the average rank-and-file middle class or above or affluent individual in the future golf courses are probably going to become a thing of the past because they will be deemed to be wasteful an inefficient use of of the resources somehow contributing to the menacing and dangerous carbon footprint that is threatening world survival and of course I'm speaking very tongue-in-cheek but again I was just digressing there after thinking about the fact that Donald Trump probably right now, instead of wringing his hands in great trepidation for what awaits Western Christian civilization, is quite probably instead engaging in the playing of a lot of golf and enjoying his own a very opulent existence. Now, he may be a blue-collar billionaire who really does prefer to rub shoulders with average people versus the stuff shirt elitist, but he nevertheless does enjoy a very opulent existence, and it would be very difficult for him to fully relate to the rigors and the hardships that are now being undergone by, for instance, those very, very ordinary people who went to Washington, D.C. at his call and instruction, who sought to stand in the gap on January 6th to try to overturn the horrific crime of the theft of the presidential election. Those people who are now being rounded up, who are being falsely charged with crimes when they committed no crimes. The crimes that were committed, if any, were doubtlessly perpetrated by the provocateurs who engendered the optics that were captured on film and then were used and are now being used to undergird and prop up this specious notion that there was somehow a seditious insurrection that took place on January 6th. 
Most recently, the likes of the the odious, loathsome individual, Joe Scarborough, uh, mounted to the airwaves calling for 20-year prison sentences for everybody who participated in D.C., not just in the, the violation of the, the threshold of the doors to the Capitol building, but everyone who came that day in support of Trump's very staunch and fact-based proposition that the election had been stolen and that pressure needed to be mounted upon those in the Senate and the House of Representatives that they might see the light and reject the votes of the Electoral College that were, that were clearly and truly fraudulent in nature, particularly from those states where the fraud was beyond obvious. Well, again, it would be difficult for Donald Trump to relate to what is now being experienced by this ever-expanding group of people who are being falsely accused and being prepared to be made examples of by a heavy-handed, tyrannical, usurpatious, and illegitimate national government. Joe Scarborough, of course, has no doubt read the Declaration of Independence, even though he long abandoned his dedication to it. And remember, this is a man that when he came to Congress, he was a very exuberant uh, member of and participant in the revolution that went on in Congress at the time, the Contract uh, for America Revolution. He was back at that time in the early 90s. He was actually very friendly to constitutionist and patriotic groups and individuals throughout the nation. But along the way, it appears that Joe Scarborough sold his soul. He made the Luciferian pact with the devil, it would appear. And, of course, if one studies the evolution of his career and his life since leaving the Congress and his evolution into a flaming liberal leftist, then it is pretty apparent what has happened with this man. And I bring him up as an example because he was a staunch conservative in his earlier days who then transformed and morphed into what he is now. This is how the compromise happens. This is how the selling of the soul occurs. Well, my friends, I want to give you some information on how you can communicate with the Voice of Liberty and and with me. You can write to P.O. Box 274. P.O. Box 274, Etowah. That's E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331. Or you can call 423-241-7902. Or you can email Voice of Liberty 1776 at gmail.com. Now, we also have activities and aspirations ongoing that were the God of Scripture to place uh, His blessing, His provision, His protection, His empowerment upon that which we are seeking to do in our own little sphere of the world, 
there could be very, very notable results that would be derived from uh, these plans, these activities. You see, we are called to be agents of dominion. We are not called to simply roll over and play dead. We are not called to acquiesce to the tyrannical and usurpatious activities and policies of a faction that is hell-bent on eradicating from the face of the earth everything that is good and virtuous and true and holy. Instead, we are called upon, as we've alluded to already in previous broadcasts, to be like the great heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, some of whom, remember, subdued kingdoms. Well, where do we start? Well, we start in our own backyard, so to speak. We start in our own community or territory, especially if it happens to be situated in such a manner as to be conducive to the potential evolution of circumstances that could form the vehicle through which Second Chronicles 7.14 could be outworked in a visible, viable, and tangible way in the midst of our people. Remember, that's the passage that says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Well, in our uh, corner of the world, in rural southeastern Tennessee, I believe we have as good a chance as any place on the face of the earth to mount an effective restoration endeavor, restoration of the legitimate tenets of our once great republic. After all, we are supposed to be a government of law, not of men. The Constitution is supposed to be the law that governs the government, and yet the government is operating almost entirely outside of the bounds of constitutional governance. And we, the people, we are intended by the sovereign hand of God, and certainly by our forefathers of old, we are intended to be the enforcers of that law that was promulgated to govern the government. That's what we are intended to be. And yet we have neglected and we have been derelict to this duty and responsibility. And now we find the last remaining vestiges of our once great uh, liberty-loving republic slipping through our fingers at the hands of the neo-Bolsheviks, the modern-day communist forces, the leftist, atheistic forces that are murderous in their hearts, in their minds, and in their intentions. They have no conscience. It has long ago been seared with a hot iron if it ever existed to begin with. They are doing the bidding of Lucifer, Satan. They are doing the bidding of the spiritual wickedness in high places spoken of in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 6. They are the utter epitome of godlessness, of wickedness, and of evil. And it is our sacred and solemn calling to stand in the gap and to constitute a meaningful force of opposition and resistance to this menacing and diabolical power structure. Don't despair. We have the means for victory. Laying dormant, in fact, at our fingertips. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty, Paul told us. 
And with those weapons, if we dare to lay hold of them and wield them in accordance with biblical protocol, we have the ability to eviscerate the very heart and guts and soul of our enemy. We have the ability to surgically dissect the wicked policies and manifestos that they have implemented in our midst and in short order with great expediency and rapidity, we have the ability to turn the tide. How long did it take to turn the tide in Egypt in Pharaoh's day? How long did it take? It didn't take long, did it? You see, if God be for us, who can be against us? And if we are truly serving the living God in spirit and in truth, there is no force that can stand up against us. 10,000 will fall at our right hand. And God will use the, the mechanisms and the machinations and the wicked devices of the forces of evil. He will use those very forces to destroy them in the epitome of poetic justice. Like the scripture tells us, when the wicked dig the pit for the righteous, guess who winds up falling in that pit? Yes, the wicked. And they are digging massive pits right now, probably even literal uh, pits for mass graves, because that's what communist regimes do also. They commit mass murder, and then they bulldoze the bodies into mass graves. Well, you get a hold of that book called Behind Communism and do your homework and document who the Bolsheviks were, because the neo-Bolsheviks are the same people. And while you're at it, also obtain a copy of the book The Iron Curtain Over America by John Beatty. This is a great old work that has some extraordinary truth contained within its historical perspective and narrative. Get a hold of these materials while you still can before the book burners eliminate them and eradicate them from the face of the earth. Knowledge is power. The pen is mightier than the sword. We have it within our grasp to subdue kingdoms, and to seek after and build and establish, not only in the celestial eternal realm, but even in the here and now, we have the ability to seek after and build that city whose builder and maker is God. But we must not quake with fear. Proverbs 29 tells us that the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. So we must boldly and courageously march into the future, the lives of our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren depend on what we do now. We must, like our forefathers in the colonial era, we must pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Please get in touch. We look forward to making connection with fellow members of the remnant of God and until our next time together, this is Rick Tyler thanking you for tuning in and asking for and praying for God's blessing and protection upon your life. We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand. From the pulpit, expose tyranny and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise.
Brad Pitt Band.